Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Premier Chels, your source for all things Premier League, but starting with Chelsea first. Coming into you on your speakers and headsets, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. I'm Jackie from Houston, and I have Rahul here from Connecticut. And a very special guest coming into you from London is Mr. Christian Pulisic himself. No, I'm just kidding, guys. He was busy training for the Fulham game, so we have the next best guest, Alex Mignola, the main man behind the Pulisic FC 22 Instagram account. He's a main, he's a massive Chelsea and Christian Pulisic fan and runs the number one Pulisic fan page on Instagram with 224,000 followers and counting. Hey, Alex, how's it going? Good. How's it going, guys? Great. Excited to have you on this podcast. Welcome, welcome, welcome. So today we have a few questions for you just to kind of get to know you and hopefully you have fun with us today. Absolutely. So why don't you start by telling us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, so I'm I'm currently in college. I'm from uh, the Northeast uh, in the U.S. I've been a Chelsea fan for a while now, um, and I guess my my moderate claim to fame is running the the world's largest Christian Pulisic fan page, which is a wonderful intersection of um, uh, Chelsea and U.S. interests. Absolutely, that's really really exciting. So, how did you become a Chelsea fan? Yeah, so I mean, they're they're being from the U.S. Um, born and raised in the US there wasn't exactly that that connection to the game that a lot of people have in other countries so um, for me I think it was always a fascination for the sport um, and then eventually I realized that the Premier League had some of the top quality entertainment top quality teams and I said to myself I need to get involved with this this would be great to follow um, and honestly I just remember I was playing I believe in just a classic recreational town league myself um and i walked into uh, my family room one day i happened to walk in and see a clip of didier drogba scoring a goal on the tv i looked he was wearing a blue shirt i said i like the color blue that's my favorite color so i asked my dad who the player was and i said he said it's didier drogba plays for this team chelsea in england and i said okay well i'll support whoever that is so who knows i could have been an everton fan for all we know but uh that that, that was good good fortune on that day <laughs> i'm glad you're not an everton fan that's a brilliant story and a great chance to become a chelsea fan there we're excited because chelsea is the best team in the premier league and of course the premier league is the best league out there so your growth with the pulisic fc 22 page has been astronomical how does that feel tell us a little bit of history about why you started the page yeah, so I began the page, um, I believe it was just over two years ago, um, right around when Chelsea announced the signing of Pulisic from Dortmund. I decided that, I mean, I'd been I'd been around Instagram for a little while. I'd followed a bunch of fan pages. I thought it was interesting. Um, I spent enough time on my phone. My parents are always telling me that. So I figured, you know what, I might as well might as well put this to use if I'm already following the team. Um, I'm already following uh, Christian Pulisic. This is a, a perfect opportunity. It was really a, a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to get the uh, best best American player for the best team in the Premier League, the team that I loved for uh, probably a, about a decade at that point. Um, and yeah, I, I said, this is my chance. And I think the timing worked out perfectly because I was able to hype up the page um, during that uh, loan spell at the end when Pulisic was still playing with Dortmund. Um, and that way, I already had, um, I actually had the chance to get to Stamford Bridge for the home opener, uh, my first ever time uh, being there. 
but by the time that happened and uh, Pulisic made his Stanford Bridge debut, I already had 40-something thousand followers. So it was a, a very good very good timing, and um, it's it's taken off from there. It's been It's been great. That's an excellent story, really, really great. And honestly, the growth of the American talent coming across to Europe recently has been has been astronomical as well. And just Chelsea having captured one of the star players in, in the U.S. men's national team has just been brilliant for us. I do have one final question before we move on to our regular segment, which you'll be a part of. Do you call it soccer or do you call it football? Well, I've been I've been avoiding the word from the beginning of, of, of this segment, but uh, <laughs> I I will say my the the culture tells me to call it football when conversing with americans i i have to revert to soccer because that's what they're going to understand that's how i'm going to be able to talk about it but with with my american friends who are as into the sport as i am uh, i think i think football is probably the way to go yeah rahul and i are on the same page we called it football our whole life and when we came here and were looking for a sport to play and said hey you want to play some football we mean immediately pulled out to uh, an american football field and we we're like i think we're in the wrong spot so we kind of adapted as well to learn how to say soccer so I get yep. <laughs> well that kind of gives us a little history about you again like we said we're excited I do want to bring Rahul on now because he's been a little bit quiet so Rahul why don't you give us a few words and then take us into the Fulham Chelsea preview yeah hey guys and hey Alex thanks for being here it was great listening to your uh, background and how you got started and like Jackie said, and I'm just going to echo the same thing. We're very excited to have you on here as our first guest and hope we have a great episode and, and um, we can talk about the Fulham and Chelsea game. So let's dive right into it. The West London Derby. And it comes at a, t- at a tough time for Chelsea. But before we get into that, I'll just jump into some fun facts about both clubs and, and the game. So both clubs are separated by just 1.4 miles. And for those of you not in the U.S., that's about 2.2 kilometers. Um, and they're located in the Fulham Borough of London. Uh, interesting story and a very b- brief background is in 1904, uh, Gus Mears, who had recently bought Stamford Bridge Athletics Ground, approached Henry Norris of Fulham to turn uh, the athletic ground into the home venue for Fulham Football Club. But for some reason or the other, that didn't work out. And a year later, Gus himself decided to create Chelsea Football Club. So without that moment in the March of 1905, none of us would be here. Or at least we would be here supporting maybe Fulham. So uh, a a brief history on on Chelsea and Fulham. I'm glad you brought that up because I do not want to support Fulham. Um, and so the first ever game between these two was played in 1910 with a crowd of 35,000 people. How we'd kill to have that many fans in the stadium right now. Uh, but for right reasons, everyone's staying home and staying safe. Chelsea lost that game 1-0. Uh, so hopefully that doesn't happen again this weekend. But since then, they've played each other 84 times. And the most recent game in 2019 was at the Craven Cottage. Uh, Chelsea won 2-1 from goals from Gonzalo Higuain. This is not the blast from the past section, guys. We'll get to it. Uh, And Jorginho. And uh, Fulham were relegated that season. This is the first time they're back since the 18-19 season under Scott Scott Parker, who also played for both teams. So a lot of similarities and connections between the two clubs. But this is our first game in the Premier League against them this season. And, And like I said, it comes at a time where both teams have been in okay form, but really Chelsea need to win it. Yeah, absolutely. Because I just, 
I don't want to take another loss. I'm tired of seeing us kind of struggle through the through the league. But but that's okay. It's kind of the the, the way we've been playing the game recently. Um, why don't you take us through some of the form, and then we can maybe do a predicted lineup and ask Alex what his thoughts are on that. Yeah. So like I said, the the form for both teams has been okay. Uh, Chelsea come in with the loss to Man City, and prior to that, a draw uh, against Aston Villa and a loss again to Arsenal. So it's been up and down. Uh, but we did get a win in the FA Cup last week, so hopefully that's a, a point for us to turn the season around. Uh, we've only won one game in the last six Premier League games, so again, this is a very crucial game. It may not seem so, but we sit ninth in the table, so we really need the points and, and need to close that gap to the top four at least. Uh, Fulham, who have had five consecutive draws and, and most recently drew against Spurs, which is no uh, small achievement, Although they set an 18th spot with eight with 12 points and haven't won a game since the end of November. So they're also looking for a win and trying to get away from the relegation point. So the last time we faced a team that was battling relegation, Jackie, I think you remember what happened. And I almost quit this podcast. <laughs> um, and, and honestly, when you have five draws in a row, at some point it needs to go to a win. Right. And it always seems to happen. We have the same situation with Arsenal where they were in a bad run of form and Chelsea visits and here's uh, something that goes wrong. So uh, different opposition, again, full respect to Fulham. They can do something. So we have to be on our best performances. I agree. And I, I see Alex shaking his head with that Arsenal result. Alex, I felt the same way. Yeah, that was not not a fun one at all. Not a fun <laughs> one at all. <laughs> uh, but let's jump into the predicted lineup. So Alex, we've got... Uh, a, a first 11 and, and we can definitely discuss it but here's who we're going with so Mendy and goal I think that's an obvious choice I hear Reese James is back and on this show I call him Beast James so that's what I'm going to be referring to him from now on uh, so I think he should be starting on the right Kurt Zuma Tiago Silva as center backs and Chilwell as left back uh, in midfield Conte is suspended so he will be missing so I think Billy Gilmore for me is a great replacement and someone that can help us dictate the tempo of the game, uh, along with Mount and Kovacic to help out with the defensive side of things. Uh, Ziyech, Giroud, and I don't think we can say anyone else but Pulisic on, on the left side of the wing. Yeah, I definitely, I, I certainly agree there. I think that's a strong lineup to name. I think, I think it's been proven when Giroud's in the team, we get some goals. Um, and even as I will say, even as the uh, the one of the biggest representatives of of uh, Pulisic uh, out there on Chelsea social media, I will say I do think um, Callum Hudson Odoi deserves some minutes. Uh, be that off the bench, second half, perhaps. Um, I think I think he definitely offers a, a different type of attacking threat to, for example, uh, Ziyech, who's got the the left foot. Um, he's got the passing range. So I, that, that's been a tough one. That's, that's been a debate raging a little bit on, on, on Instagram and a lot of accounts that I've seen uh, leading up to the game. A lot of people saying uh, Callum deserves a start. Um, but I think, I think we're, we're lucky at this point, uh, having had some fitness uh, issues earlier in the season. I think we're lucky at this point to have two very dynamic uh, dribbling heavy wingers. And we've got uh, Ziyech with his left foot um, his wand of a left foot, we've got our wizard back. So I'm, I'm very glad to have those options uh, going forward. Yeah, I think you make some valid points, especially on the Callum Hudson-Doy one. 
it was a toss up for a hole and I, and it's always been a toss up for a hole and I for who's going to start. But I think, you know, between the both of them, Pulisic offers me that spark of brilliance that can happen at any point in time. I'm not saying Callum doesn't have it. Of course he does. But for a game like this, with recent results and kind of our form, for some parts of last season, especially around Project Restart, Pulisic pretty much carried us. And I'm hoping, not that he carries us, but he brings that form and that spark and that brilliance back to us for this particular game. Exactly. I agree completely. Yeah, I agree with you guys too. And I think, Jackie, you had a point about maybe Jorginho over Billy Gilmore. Yeah, I love Billy Gilmore. He's wonderful, and I think he's got a great future ahead of him. I think in this game where Fulham are, again, full respect to Fulham, it can get scrappy. And Jorginho is always, isn't always the most physical person, but I think he's got maturity and experience on his side. I would have opted for Jorginho filling that middle spot. And for a Fulham team that's coming off a draw and playing against Chelsea in a derby, maybe they're going to sit a little bit deeper. You want somebody who can find that ball and unlock the defense. And not again, not saying Billy Gilmore can't do it, but for me, Jorginho probably needs a game. He's not played enough. I think he's fit. I think he's ready. I think he can do something. So I might argue with you on that one over there, maybe. And the other one I'm looking at is um, Kovacic because Kai Havertz is coming off a wonderful game with regards to the FA Cup. And maybe we say we can't play back-to-back games, but the last podcast we discussed that in depth about he kind of bossed that game and maybe he deserves to start this one. I don't know. Looking for thoughts from you guys. Yeah, I, I definitely think that's, that's a shout for, for Havertz to get at least some time, um, if not be the starter there. And I think that's one where it would, if you, if you knew he was going to score or assist going into the game, it would be a no brainer. I think he's at the point where as soon as he starts notching up a few more goal involvements, gets a little more confidence, you see the talent you see, there's a reason. I mean, Everyone loves on social media, everywhere, any platform to slander uh, opposition transfers, to slander players, slander the price tag. Um, everyone, everyone loves it. It's to some degree all in good fun. But um, Chelsea are no dummies. There's a reason they paid that much uh, for this kid, and I think we all know the talent he has. Uh, it would be fantastic if he could start to to add that confidence and really, really show what he can do. Yeah, I agree with you, Alex. And and we're, we've supported Havertz. I know we've also been a little critical of him, mainly me, Jackie. Uh, but that was that was coming on the back of of our expectations off of him, um, and and what he showed in Germany. So I think some time out of the team has benefited him, and we saw that against Morecambe. Again, no disrespect to Morecambe, they are not a Premier League level team, but to to still perform and and get your confidence up, I think Havertz did that. And he would start for me, but I, I went with Kovacic just because I'm going with Gilmore in, in midfield and adding a little bit of that defensive mindset, which Kovacic would bring compared to Havertz. Uh, but again, if Havertz start, I think none of us would, would complain. And maybe that's too where if you had a Jorginho holding it down in the back, maybe that's what gives Havertz a little more freedom. Um, so maybe that those are the the pairing options you would see, or or you could see, the pure veteran mentality with uh, Kovacic and Jorginho, though I know that that formation, well, that pairing has had its critics in the past. You know, one thing that we've had this season that we didn't have this last season and, and previous seasons for some time, actually, is a good depth of squad with quality of player. And it's nice to see that we've got enough options in midfield. In fact, we have so many options in midfield. Ross Barkley and Ruben Loftus-Cheek had to go out on loan. So I think this competition for places Anyone who starts is great. We all have a great you know, point on who we're trying to start with. I want to argue a little bit about the striker 
because I'm a huge, huge Giroud fan. I think you touched on it as well, Alex. But Raul and I have gone on this back and forth on this podcast several times about Tammy Abraham versus Giroud. Now, I think Timo Werner is a completely different style. And so if you go with Timo Werner, that's a whole different discussion. But what are your thoughts on Tammy versus Giroud? I mean, I think that's almost one where it's... I. Maybe it's not the best comparison, but I think that's almost, in a sense, the Jorginho Gilmore debate where you have somebody who you know has talent. I mean, Tammy, what his expected goals this season, his goals off the bench, his work rate when he comes in, um, he's made a name for himself. We saw what he can do last season. People said he was a championship quality striker, but he proved he can put the chances in at the top level. I think in a sense, uh, if you bear with the comparison, that's almost like the Gilmore uh, Jorginho, where you have a veteran who you know, I mean, again, people, Jorginho has his critics, but he's a world-class, oh, okay, I, I won't I won't be, be uh, controversial, but he is a, a top-class midfielder. Um, you know what he can do. He's got the passing. He's got the awareness. He reads the game, um, and that's sort of like Giroud. He's got the awareness. He's got the physicality. He knows how to put the ball in the back of the net, and he's done it time and time again. Along with Pulisic uh, for Project Restart, he, you would almost say, dragged us to a top four finish. Um, he and Pulisic were coming up clutch many, many times. Along with Tammy as well. Tammy's a, a big reason. Um, we were even in that position uh, to get to Project Restart uh, in the position we were in. So I would say that's that's one where there's maybe not really a wrong answer. And if if the game goes poorly, they'll say, oh, he should have started the other one. Maybe he should have started Werner for that extra pace up top. But I think that's one where you can't really go wrong because you've got a veteran who you know knows how to do the job, but you've also got an, a player who could very well be the the future of that position for Chelsea. Yeah, I think your analysis is spot on. I have no no disagreements with that one. Raul and I've had that discussion several times now. Yeah, I, I agree with you too, Alex. And and like Jackie, you said, I think Fulham are going to sit deep. They've built this last run of games on their defensive performance and, and keeping it tight and, and trying to keep a clean sheet. Now they haven't done that regularly, but they've kept a clean sheet against Southampton, which is which is a pretty big achievement. So I think they're going to stay tight. And I think Giroud playing will help link the play a little bit better than the other two options. And we've seen Pulisic and Giroud, like Alex mentioned, have a great relationship. I think Alex, just the other day, you had posted something about how Giroud and Pulisic were talking about putting in the ball uh, into the box. So you can see that Giroud and Pulisic and even Ziyech at this point learn off of each other and and having them uh, be our attacking options for this game would be, would be good. And if not, if it doesn't work out, I'm sure, like Jackie, you said, again, we have a lot of good options on the bench, too. Yeah, and as far as Fulham sitting deep, you know what I want to see is more of what we did against Morecambe in the FA Cup. We haven't done that so much this season, which is take some opportunities from outside the box. Um, If the team is going to sit that deep and we're going to try and cross and go through eight players defending deep or dribble and almost walk the ball into the net... It's nice to watch, but if it's not going to get any end, end product, it's very frustrating. So Mason Mount taking a shot from outside the box was exciting. It's, it's exciting just to remind me of what Frank Lampard himself used to do. So you've got a good midfield selection. We know Kovacic can hit the ball. He doesn't do it as much. We know um, Mount can hit the ball. Pulisic, Zaich, all of them can. So I'd like to see a couple of shots from outside the box, you know, get us excited and kind of go from there. Yeah, I, I agree. And and before we get into the, the predicted score, I just want to touch on one player on the Fulham side. Uh, he does belong to Chelsea, though, and, and that is Ruben Loftus-Cheek. Um, and I think, we, Jackie, you and I were a little confused by his loan when he left. But 
we can see why he left and, and the game time he's getting at Fulham has benefited him and, and we can see him getting back to himself after that injury he had uh, in 2019. So I think there's that's a good point. And Alex, maybe we can pick your brain on that one. What are your thoughts on Ruben Loftus-Cheek? Because the season before Frank came in, he was having an absolute blinder underneath Maurizio Sarri. He actually came over to the U.S. and got injured in the U.S., actually, which is unfortunate. And that was actually a game Raul and I watched together. So I'm fall down, and we were terrified that it's going to be a big long-term injury. So if he gets, he gets more game time and becomes productive, do you think he can come back into this Chelsea team and really make a name for himself? Yeah, well, I mean, definitely we all saw what he could do uh, before that unfortunate injury. And um, it's actually kind, uh, kind of funny story, a little, little unfortunate as well. But I was actually at that friendly game. Um, I, I was – amazed that Chelsea were coming to Boston. I thought, oh, that's awesome. Uh, got my tickets. I was there. I, I watched it. And then unbeknownst to me, um, my parents, as a uh, later birthday gift to me, actually bid on one of the play, uh, the jerseys. They bid on some of the jerseys after the game. The proceeds went to charity. And I, I actually got Loftus-Cheek's match, uh, match <laughs> kit from his massive injury in that friendly game so it's currently sitting in my attic i hope it's not an unlucky omen i'm 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 hoping it's a a symbol of what he can overcome um so that's i i definitely felt that injury that was that was not fun um and i i do think i think we all saw what he was capable of i think it's in a way i will i will i'm not to sound not to sound biased here i will admit pogba is levels above but I think it's almost a Pogba situation with Manchester United fans for a while where they were constantly talking, at least on Twitter, Instagram, everywhere. You'd see Man United fans hyping up Pogba's ability. They know what he can do. They've seen the flashes of brilliance. And we saw a pretty consistent uh, run of games for Loftus-Cheek. We know what he can do. Uh, he's got, I mean, you could make a great highlight reel of him. You can make plenty of compilations of him just doing really good stuff that you know is going to help the team. And he started combining that ability that we know he has with um, some production, with some true tangible impact. So I think that's, again, I'm, I'm not drawing a direct comparison between the two players, but I think maybe that's that's almost a, a Pogba-esque situation where you know what a player is capable of. You want to see them hit that, hit that mark um, in terms of consistency and impacting games. And very unfortunate that he was set back by the injury but I think um there there's no reason with his mentality and now the minutes he's getting on loan that he couldn't absolutely challenge for example um maybe not take Kovacic's spot but I think he offers a semi-similar maybe with even probably a bit more attacking threat he offers a semi-similar skill set to Kovacic in terms of ball progression and dribbling so I think there is absolutely no reason we couldn't uh see him make a comeback yeah, I, for one, I'm hopeful that he can because I think at times this Chelsea midfield has missed a little bit of steel and having that big, strong player just berate through the central of midfield, which he did at times in the Europa League when we had that amazing season, is something I really, really miss. It's it's shades of Essien, not almost the same because obviously Essien played a little bit deeper, but just having that strength to hold off players and make runs forward. If you get a goal, great, but at least you've pushed through and distributed it from there. Yeah, those those are some great great points from from both of you, and I, I wish him the best for the remainder of the season. He won't feature in this game, but hopefully he can make the most of the the rest of the season and come back next season and and fight for a spot with us. So, uh, 
we've seen, we've predicted our lineups. We've spoken about the game and, and we know it's going to be a tight game, but what is, what do you guys think the score will be? Um, I, for one would say I'm pretty confident going into this one. I think clearly the fact that Fulham will probably uh, set up to defend a bit um, would suggest that maybe we won't score a ton of goals, but I I'm personally going with a three nil win for Chelsea because I think that once we get that first goal, I think if we score a first half goal, um, we're having a three nil win because I think all we need is the confidence. We know our defense, we know Mendy, it's been improved this year as compared to last year in a lot of situations, we're still making some individual errors, but I think, I think we have the, we have the quality. We know we have the quality to keep a clean sheet. Um, We know we have the quality to score goals. I think if we can put one in and um, perhaps as I think uh, Jackie, you were saying the, uh, the, the ability to take shots from outside the box, that can be a confidence boost both to, to fans and to players. I think if we start putting shots on net and we don't just timidly pass it all around the box and let Fulham feel like they're, they're keeping us out, I think we could absolutely see, see the floodgates open a bit um, when our players start to grow into the game. And we just have to hope it's not a repeat of a few of the games we've seen this season where they are very timid to grow into the game and we start the second half well. I mean, think maybe... Man City, um, first half horrendous, second half didn't concede a goal and even snagged one at the end. Wasn't always pretty, but um, we need to actually have that kind of fight and determination from the second the whistle goes off um, instead of just coming out with that because we need to. The word you chose, timid, is spot on because in several games, I think that's probably the best way to describe what we look like is a little bit of fear in our step. And that came from a couple of losses that completely demoralized us. So I love your optimism. I'm going to be more cautiously optimistic. I think we're going to go for a 2-0 win. Still still winning the game because I think we need this and I think we have this. But maybe just pinch it in. Rahul, you've said it before. 2-0 is one of the deadliest scores in <laughs> football. So what are you going for? Yeah, I, I'm not as optimistic as you guys. I am going for a Chelsea win, but... Just seeing how tight Fulham have been and, and how the word Alex used, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quote him, timid we've been. I, I expect this to be a lot better, but I don't think it's going to be an, a, 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 an open game. And so I think it's a 2-1 win for Chelsea. Uh, and I hope I'm wrong. I hope Alex is right. I would love a 3-0 or even a 4 or 5, whatever it is. But uh, I think it's, it, it's going to be tighter. And, and Fulham haven't beaten us in a while. But that usually tends to be Chelsea's Achilles heel, which is we go into the game, we haven't lost our team for a while, and for some reason we turn up, we don't turn up um, and, and, and let, let the other team roll us over. But you're, you guys are right. We need to get the first goal, which we've needed for a while now against, against, the better t- against, against all teams. Um, and if that happens, then maybe the scoreline is a little more comfortable. But if the more Fulham are able to hold us out, I think they grow in confidence and, and hope to nick it on the other side, which would not be a good situation for us. So I think a 2-1 seems okay for me. You know, when we play Fulham away, it always brings memories of the 05-06 season. I think we were watching, we were not watching, but we were talking about it in school, prepping for Saturday. And it was a young Chris Coleman. Jose Mourinho spoke very highly of him. And we were on this blistering run. Obviously, we're not on that same trajectory right now. 
And I was like, guys, I think we're going to lose the game. And you almost slapped me across the face. Like, we're not going to lose to Fulham. And we ended up losing. So obviously it brings a little bit of a nightmare, but we've all gone for a win. And that's what I'm hoping for. <laughs> yeah, you know, that and that game, I was like, well, how are we going to lose? We haven't lost to Fulham in 27 years. Well, we lost to them after 27 years. So uh, I'm not saying anything like that now. <laughs> But hopefully a Chelsea win and we can all celebrate and have a good end to our, our weekend. Um, but there are some other games in the Premier League. And Alex, we usually tend to discuss some of the other teams uh, because we are Chelsea focused, but we like to touch on some of the other ones. So we'll touch on a few of them from this weekend. And it's it's game week 19. And Jackie, we can touch on the FPL part of it too after we do the prediction for some of the other games. So let's start with the big one, which is a top of the table clash. And I never thought I'd be saying this about United being in a top of the table clash this season at least. But they go and face Liverpool at Anfield. And they go there with a 100% away record. All wins. Just They've just rolled over every team they've, they've traveled to. And they go to Liverpool this, this uh, Sunday. So... What are your thoughts on it, Alex? And what do you think the score is? Yeah, well, I am um, taking uh, a bit of inspiration from your own prediction. I'm I'm definitely feeling a United win here, and I don't know. I don't know if they're going to be the better team in the game. I don't know if they're going to come out with the better tactics. I don't know if they're going to come out with the better lineup. But I feel. As you said, they have a way of, of getting things done away from home. Um, certainly, you could say maybe the, the COVID uh, lack of uh, fans is something that negates a bit of the home field advantage uh, for teams, especially I've always been a bit skeptical of the, the mythical Anfield atmosphere. But if, if that truly is what motivates Liverpool players, it's, it's going to be something that is, is not, in, not in force uh, this, this time around. So I, I couldn't... You know, I'm, I will admit I'm envious of United. I think they get a little lucky sometimes. I think even when they're not playing particularly well, they have a way of finding a goal. And honestly, that, that is often what separates top teams from, from others. Um, that's maybe how Liverpool won last year. Obviously, they, they ran away with it, but I think there were plenty of games. Liverpool weren't absolutely top-notch, but even when they weren't at their brilliant best, they were able to just grab a goal and get the win. So I'm going 2-1 to United for that reason. Um, I think I think the the second half Manchester United performance is going to be a classic and they're just going to pull something out of the bag. Yeah, that that I, I agree with you. And I like you said, I, I am also going for a 2-1 United win. And I think there's just something clicking there with, with the squad and with Ole and, and everything they're doing. And Jackie and I were very critical of them just in like October, early November. And here they are sitting top of the table. And now I'm predicting predicting them to go six points clear. So it's it's been a funny season, but they've found a way to make it more consistent and, and win games. And I think they find a win here too, which would be, I believe, the first time they've won at Anfield in, in a while. So uh, all credit to them and, and Ole. So, gentlemen, I have to humbly disagree with both of you. I think when Liverpool turn it up, Liverpool turn it up. And I think this is a big game. I think everybody knows it's a big game. I think the Liverpool players themselves maybe will put a little bit of pressure on themselves going, just like Alex said, we ran away with the league last year and we're not doing it this year. Excuses all to the side. I think this is Liverpool versus Manchester United. It's a classic, historic, massive game at Anfield. 
I think it's going to be two nil to Liverpool. At, hey, Liverpool will turn up, and and they haven't lost a game at Anfield in 60, 70 games or something like that. So um, Alex and I may have to eat some humble pie at the end of the weekend, but we'll we'll see what happens. United always have the VAR and referee card they can pull out, so we'll we'll see what happens. But the next game is Leicester versus Southampton, and, and I'm pretty excited about this because both teams have good players and and the potential to put up a good fight in this game. So. I'm going for a 2-2, an entertaining game with some goals. Um, and Jackie, what do you think about it? Yeah, I'm on the same page as you, actually, with this one. I'm also going for a draw. I think it'll be a little bit tighter. So a 1-1. Now, it, it can go anywhere, guys. You know, Southampton, Leicester, Jamie Vardy, Southampton playing brilliantly. I wouldn't be surprised if it goes one way or the other. But I think sometimes teams that are in around the top four on similar form tend to cancel each other out and that's my biggest fear with this game is they kind of cancel each other out and don't play the football that we know that Leicester and Southampton can play but at this point 1-1 I hope it's entertaining and then we kind of go from there yeah so I would I would agree with uh, Rahul there I think we're looking uh, at a 2-2 or at least a draw I completely agree as well I think often it they just uh you know, teams, teams, when they, when they meet each other and they know, they know what the other team is capable of, they often tend to trade goal for goal. They might sit back a little more than usual. Um, but I think, I think it's, it's definitely, it has potential uh, to be an exciting game. Obviously you have um, the Vardy, you have Ings, you have players who, you know, can, can score goals. Um, I was very impressed. I believe it was uh Ings against Liverpool was that his his nice finish uh neatly over the keeper I thought that was yeah you know um everyone knows what these what these guys are capable of so I think hopefully it'll be a good one yeah I agree and I I heard Ings may miss it due to a positive COVID test but um Raf Hassan also said that he was may have been contagious against Liverpool in that game so I just don't know what's going on with with uh, the COVID situation and, and the Premier League and the FA, but that's a whole different topic in discussion. Uh, so let's move on to the next game. And this is one where a few weeks ago, we would have just brushed over and said an easy win for Spurs, but it's Sheffield versus Spurs and Sheffield have found some form. They won in the FA cup and then they won again in, in the Premier League against Newcastle. So they're coming in with some confidence and, and almost looking to turn their season around. So I think, and it's a, a kind of a bold prediction, but it'll be one nothing to Sheffield United. So I'd like to hear your thoughts. Yeah, I'd like to hear your thoughts and your prediction, guys. That is indeed a very bold prediction. Now, yes, Sheffield are coming off the back of a wonderful win. And then, of course, another win in the FA Cup. Jose Mourinho had a good win in the FA Cup. We've covered them in a previous episode. Uh, not such strong opposition. And then, of course, they just came off um, another game where they didn't perform so well. I just don't see how Sheffield are going to beat Tottenham Hotspur. I think Tottenham Hotspur, especially Jose Mourinho, when he needs to fire up his players, because they're in and around the top as well. I just don't see it, guys. I think it's 3-0. Yeah, I could definitely see that. I could definitely see that happening. When you've got Kane and Son in the same team, uh, we saw how they ran riot at the beginning of the season, and they're still they're still linking up now, even if it's cooled down a bit. So I think... I could I could definitely see a Spurs win. Maybe it's a bit hopeful uh, from a Chelsea perspective. I was thinking maybe a one-one repeat of their recent game against Fulham, 
Um, I, I, even in, in the Fulham game, uh, Mourinho definitely tends to, he tends to sit back. People know that perhaps against Sheffield, he'll almost be forced to take a bit more possession um, by nature of Sheffield out parking the bus. Um, who knows? But we, um, uh, even in the Fulham game, I think Fulham created more chances than Tottenham did. They weren't big chances, but um, I think I think Tottenham are certainly open to concede a goal or two. Um, I'm I'm going to go for one-one. Perhaps it's a little optimistic from a Chelsea standpoint, but I I I don't know. We'll we'll see. We'll see which defense is is tighter. I feel like in the in this game. Yeah, it'll, it'll definitely be an interesting game and and one to watch out for. So those are some of the games we picked to highlight this week. Uh, like I said, it's it's game week 19, and it's a long game week in that it starts on Saturday the 16th and it ends on Saturday the 23rd. So it's a week long game week. And for those of you that play fantasy out there, it's a good time to make some changes and that there's a lot of teams that are playing twice. So a lot of players will be eligible for double points. Uh, And so definitely transfer them in if you can and, and, and set up for, for the, for the week long games and and try to move up in the table and and beat the opponent if you're doing a head-to-head um jack you have anything to add on this i know you've you've been struggling in fantasy recently i didn't really want to talk about it but if you're (laughs) going to throw it out there i guess i have to no obviously fantasy is a lot of fun but i love the points you give it is going to be a long jam-packed game week the advice is the same that you have if you're seeing a player playing two games in the same week I think there are more chances of you getting more points than a player who's going to play one one game week. And it's interesting because you never know. You can get a player who scores four goals in one game and get a ton of points and you've not played him. But it's just a risk. You've got to analyze it, see who's playing who. And I always want to go with the, the player that's got two games in the game week because there's definitely chances for more points. Yeah, de- definitely. And Alex, do you get involved on the fantasy side of things? I, I definitely tried um but i think probably when i had one too many times that i'd subbed out a player who came and got a hat trick out of absolutely nowhere i i got a bit frustrated and i decided i would i would stick to the uh watching the games reporting on them a bit and i i wouldn't i wouldn't try my hand too deeply with fantasy it it gets it gets the better of me try i think too hard about the lineup (laughs) sub in random players i've never heard of i see someone mention someone's name Oh, he's going to have, have a world-class game next week. So I, I buy him for a ridiculous price. And then I've, you know, it's, it's, it's not my cup of tea at the moment. Yeah. So maybe next season the, the Premier Chels might host a fantasy and you're welcome to come compete in there. It'd be exciting to have you in there. For sure. I'd love to do that. Yeah. That, that you've summed up the, the frustrations and the, the high points of fantasy all in, in the space of 10, 20 seconds. So uh, we'll move on and, and, before we get into our favorite segment here, which is the blast on the past, I just quickly want to touch on the Chelsea women's game this weekend. They have a top-of-the-table clash against Manchester United, who traveled to the King's Meadow. Uh, and so wishing the, the Chelsea women all the best and hoping that they come back with a win and, and uh, move closer to the top of the table. They currently sit in second, so it's first place versus second. And uh, Reese James' sister plays for Manchester United, so she's coming back home, in quotes. Um, so wishing her all the best and, and hopefully it's a, a win for the Blues. Um, so let's move on to the blast from the past section. And this is a section we enjoy on this uh, podcast, uh, Alex. It's it's one where we 
talk about some ex-Premier League or Chelsea or, or both uh, players and, and kind of give a, a listeners a brief history about them and, and some fun facts. So Jackie actually has a very interesting player from, from the past, and I'll let him kick us off. Yeah, so like you said, it's one of our favorite segments because it brings back memories. And unfortunately, I think I've said this before, I end up picking players who have not always had a great time in a blue shirt sometimes. So this this week, I've picked the left back to the right back that was Khaled Pudorouz I covered a few weeks ago, and that's Azir Del Horno. Uh, many people may know him, some may not. He was a Spanish international that Chelsea picked up from Atletico Bilbao in the 05-06 season. We were kind of struggling in the left back position, and he was a highly sought after highly ranked attacking fullback, which is what Josie Mourinho wanted. He had joined for 8 million pounds from Bilbao and into a star-studded Chelsea lineup on the back of an epic title run. He came off for, again, like I said, 8 million, which was no small number back then. And he seemed to be, at least early on, the answer to the attacking left-back solution and actually even scored against Spurs away. And everybody was, you know, the next big left-back coming out of London Unfortunately for him, that's kind of where it ended. Chelsea drew Barcelona in the last 16 of the Champions League, and he became extremely famous for the wrong reasons. He made a poor tackle on the the young, famous Lionel Messi, leading to him being sent off. And Chelsea, of course, lost that season, the last 16, which is unfortunate. And for him as well, because that was the beginning of the end of his Chelsea career. And the more I did research on him, unfortunately, that seemed to be just a downward spiral for his career from there. He was slowly dropped out of the Chelsea lineup, actually being uh, William Gallas being preferred over him on the left. And we've covered William Gallas before. He was ultimately sold that summer just playing one season with us. But we did manage to recoup the $8 million when he went over to Spain. And he made a total of 34 appearances in all competition with just one goal. The interesting thing about him was after he left, he was replaced by the legendary Ashley Cole. And I think the rest is history from there. And that, that's a, a great blast from the past. And I remember watching that Barcelona game in Ghana on the TV and, and he got sent off. And obviously I didn't want to think he was in the wrong. So I went about telling everyone how much I hated Messi. Um, that's, that's changed since then. And I've, I've matured, I'd like to say. Um, but a, a, a great blast from the past. And I'll go next and, and we'll let Alex bring us home with to wrap this episode up. Uh, so my pick is Damien Duff and this was motivated and driven by the fact that we play Fulham this weekend and Damien Duff played for both teams so he signed for Chelsea in 2003 from Blackburn for 17 million pounds signed by Claudio Ranieri who was just getting uh, bankrolled and and funded by Roman Abramovich in that season so he brought in Damien Duff Uh, he made his debut in the Champions League against uh, Slovakian side MSK Zelina. Uh, Chelsea won the game 2-0, and and Damien Duff was described as the star of the show. So a winger that came in and and made an impact right away. He scored his first goal uh, in in a 5-0 win against Wolves and finished that first season, the 2003-2004 season, with 23 games and five goals. Uh, The following season, you may recognize this name, Mourinho came in. And, and brought Aryan Robin with him. Uh, so that limited some opportunities for Duff to play, but uh, as was the case with Robin, he picked up some injuries and, and that opened the door for Duff to come in. 
Um, and since Duff took his spot in the in the in the team, he never looked back. He formed he actually formed a, a great partnership with Robin when he came back. Um, and he scored 10 goals in that first season under Mourinho, including that very special goal against Barcelona at home in, in that Champions League tie, which we won four nothing. And and that's one of the greatest memories I have of supporting Chelsea. Um, he won the Premier League and the League Cup in that first season. He finished his Chelsea career by winning another Premier League the following season. Uh, in July of 2006, he left for Newcastle uh, for five million pounds. He stayed there for about three years and then moved to Fulham. So he came back to London, uh, spent about five years at Fulham, scored 15 goals and 130 appearances. Uh, he then moved to Australia. So I know we have some listeners out there in Australia, moved to Melbourne City, stayed there for about a year and then came back to his homeland uh, Ireland and played for Shamrock Rovers for about a year. Um, after nine games, he decided to call it a career and, and um, made a total of 489 appearances in total amongst all the teams he featured for scoring 62 goals. Uh, so definitely a top, top winger and one that I thought would be a good one since we've got Mr. Pulisic on, on the show today. Um, so Alex, why don't you tell us who your blast on the past is? Yeah, so I went with um, Iger Good Johnson, uh, Iceland uh, international. He was signed by Chelsea in 2000 for 4.5 million pounds. So I think uh, probably a lot of Chelsea fans, at least those who have uh, followed the team for a fair amount of time, will have heard his name. Um, maybe not one of the absolute uh, stars who always makes the headlines, but I think um, a uh, very good, very good player for us uh, and did some great service for the club. He was the second striker signed in that season um, in 2000 after Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank, who, as we know, um, had a very nice Chelsea legacy himself. Uh, he's well regarded um, today. Um, so uh, Good Johnson scored 13 times in his debut season, uh, initially had some very good success and then um, as, as we've discussed uh, with several players, a bit of a change came through when Mourinho was coming in. Um, he wasn't always selected in, in the starting lineup, but um, even as his role shifted a little bit throughout the years and um, different players came and went around him, obviously uh, the early 2000s being a very turbulent, in a good way, you would say time for Chelsea uh, with, with stars of, of a high caliber coming and going. Um, he scored 12 times in the title-winning Premier League campaign of 2004-2005 um, and helped Chelsea to two successive Premier League titles. So um, one, one individual achievement that sticks out was uh, in October of 2004 when he scored a hat-trick uh, in a home win over Blackburn Rovers. Um, all in all, just uh, adding adding some very solid success to his Chelsea record. So um I, I would say you could look back on that transfer fondly for sure. Um, and then eventually uh, he was signed by Barcelona for 8 million pounds in June, 2006. So unfortunate for Chelsea to lose, lose a player that good, um, very solid forward for the club, great servant to the club for several years. But um, he also then had a successful record for his international team Um still the joint top scorer of all time for the Icelandic men's national team with 26 goals. And um, after some brief coaching stints, he's now the assistant manager of the 
uh, Iceland men's national team. So I, I'd say that's that's a, a solid blast from the past that you could look back on fondly for Chelsea fans. Absolutely, I would agree with that. And honestly, I remember Ida Gudjonsson for many, many reasons. But I remember he opened the scoring against Manchester United in Jose Mourinho's first season, in which we won the Premier League after 50 years, which was incredible. And his versatility to play midfield. And I also got to touch on Damien Duff because after he left, he said many times that he wished he had never left Chelsea. He left for competitive experience and he didn't. But it's it's interesting how we all ended up touching on Barcelona for one reason or the other. At least, Rahul, your your memory was great about Barcelona, so that's good. Yeah, that that's a great blast from the past, uh, Alex. And uh, I was I was pretty disappointed when he left for Barcelona, but having seen what he won there, he was part of that treble team, treble winning team. Uh, I think he may have made the right decision in the short term. Obviously, we did win the Champions Leagues ourselves, but. A good move for good Johnson and, and a great blast in the past. And I've, I've really enjoyed listening to you two um, bring up some some good players. So that wraps it up, guys. It's been a fun episode. Uh, I just want to, before we we exit, I want to say a massive thank you to Alex for joining us. It's it's great to meet the man behind the the account and, and all the Pulisic uh, posts and, and, and stats and everything. Um, hopefully you'll join us again and, and we'll love to have you. And to our listeners, if you don't follow him, I don't know what you're waiting for. Please go ahead and, and give him a follow. Um, he has some great content and, and he always interacts with his, his followers as well. So um, a, definitely a, a great account out there. And Alex, we, we welcome you back at any point. Absolutely. Thank you guys so much for having me. This was great. And I would be uh, happy to make another appearance in the future. Sounds good. And, and I hope you can enjoy this weekend with a win. So absolutely. It'll be good for all of our mental health. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. So Jackie, it's been fun. Um, I didn't forget about you. Um, I just want to thank our listeners for listening. It's episode 18 in the book. We've got our first guest on the podcast as well. So uh, we're growing and, and we're hoping that you'll leave us a review on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your, your podcasts. And uh, give us a follow on Instagram. It's at the Premier Chills as well as Twitter. Uh, and we look forward to connecting with you and we'll be back next week with a new episode. So thank you guys. Bye.